welcome to Recast, presented by the Baptist Union of Scotland. Each episode will look at a key issue of mission or discipleship for church leaders in Scotland. We will be bringing you key voices, practical insights and unique stories, all focused on the church in Scotland. Welcome to the Recast. Thank you for taking the time to download this episode. I don't have my colleague Lisa with me today as this is one of our summer mini pods and we hope you enjoy this episode. I'm delighted today uh, to have with me on the podcast Lena Tott. Uh, who is uh, who lectures at uh, Baptist College and who was uh, we were privileged to have at Canopy uh, this year. Lena, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Well, it's good to be with you and and with you all virtually. Yeah, it's great. great. Uh, Lena, I, I'm sure uh, some folks will have met you or come across you, but there's probably some who haven't. I, I wonder, could you tell us a bit about yourself? Sure, sure, Glenn. So as you mentioned, um, Scottish Baptist College is um, the place where I work. I'm assistant principal and lecturer in mostly practical theology there. Um, and uh, probably from my accent, you you will realize I'm not um, native, I'm not local, although Scotland has been an adopted home, um, great adopted home for, for me for the last ooh, eight years or so. But I was born in Lithuania when oh. it was still part of the Soviet Union. Wow. Uh, so I experienced Christian, growing in a Christian family, in a pastor's family, in a very, very different context oh, to wow. where we are today. Yes. Wow. Amazing. Amazing. And you, uh, you, as I mentioned earlier, you did one of our seminars at Canopy uh, this year based on a book that you have written. And uh, I wonder if you could maybe just share two or three of your uh, kind of highlights from uh, that seminar with us. And maybe I'll rudely interrupt you and ask you questions along the way. <laughs> Please do. Interruptions are always good. Um, so, yes. Well, the book, uh, the book is called Singleness and Marriage after Christendom, being and doing family. And in it, I reflect on, on one um, change that we all have been experiencing as, as societies, especially in the West, which is the increase of single people and single people households. And that's universal, pretty much, although sometimes it's expressed slightly differently, but it's happening pretty much everywhere in this very... Um, obvious and for many churches i think it's become a bit of an issue and it's become an issue because somehow it's explicitly or not um put in intention with um serving the family meaning nuclear family so somehow these two then become uh, something that we can't seem to be doing together very well. And if you talk to single people, you see that a lot of them struggle in the church in particular. And that's true both of those single people who are uh, very happily single, except when they come to church, when they often hear one way or another that somehow they're not fully mature or full persons yet and have to endure, you know, all sorts of questions. Yeah. So that's that's one thing. And of course, if you are involuntarily single, 
Um, that is, you would desire to get married. That's especially true if you're a woman and in a church, because chances are there will be many more women than men in your congregation. Then, again, pastorally, you will often not feel very supported. Um, so I look at this from, first of all, from the biblical perspective, uh, because it's quite interesting when you get into that, you know, asking a question, what does the Bible say is a dangerous one, because Bible says a lot of things. And when we come to such issues as marriage and family, um, they look quite different depending on which, um, which century, which period in history we are in. So I, this is what I explore. I look at, at what does the Bible really say? And in the seminar that I did for the canopy, we explored the question of whether we got the Bible wrong in this mm -hmm. in this matter. Great, and I, I, I mean, did we? I think so, big time, okay. big time. This is probably what, and, and that's the reason why I keep writing and um, talking about this subject. I think this is the question of faithfulness. It's a question much larger than simply responding to the need. Um, of uh, needs of single people in our midst, although those needs are very, very legitimate and, and really pressing. But it, it really, I think, shows that we have misunderstood, really, <laughs> the, the whole business of being a church in Jesus's perspective. I mean, if you are in the Old Testament, then you are, then then it's a different matter, because okay. then family is central, although family looks very different. Marriage and its purposes look very differently, but that's without a doubt at the very core of of what the people of God are. Yeah. Um. Th there are some interesting connections that Jesus explores and uh, that come from the Old Testament, especially the the prophetic um, part of it. But um, with Jesus, we really have a radical, radical call for change, whereby we call the church or or the, the the people who want to follow the way of Jesus become the primary family for each other. And within that, both marriage gets seriously reinterpreted and singleness is not only legitimized, but really celebrated. Mm. So that's, that's, we kind of know that. I think we, we, we know that. We know also that Paul, you know, has some things to say about yeah. how maybe it's good for, you know, it's good for a person to remain single, but really, really, we don't want to go there. No, um, we'll avoid that. That's, that's no, a difficult we do. passage. We don't look at it that is. one. <laughs> that's right. We, and we definitely don't use it, you know, in our wedding services, do we? No. Um, but, but the thing is that I think by doing that, we really miss, um, as I say, something essential about our lives, something essential about the the Jesus way of being a flourishing human being. Mm. Um, so all of us become considerably poorer. And I would argue sometimes we really put nuclear family at the center of the church. So some authors, some theologians, some biblical scholars talk about the idolatry even of uh, marriage and family in, in, in the way it, it, it translates in our church practice. Yeah, that, and that's great. I, I wonder if we can go back just a second and then we'll come back to what you just said because you've said a couple of things that i think are absolutely fascinating so the one that i'd like to go back sure. to 
is this radical reorientation of what family means uh, that Jesus does, where the the primary family is um, the church, uh, which undermines the kind of cultural and um, it, uh, understandings of family in that space. Um, what what ways would you would you show us that that's true? I mean, like how 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 do we um, how do we see from scripture that that's not just like one or two little passages that have been blown out of proportion, but that that is actually what Jesus was doing? Uh huh. Uh-huh. Well, it's kind of all over the place, to be honest. It's amazing when I was when I was writing the book and again looking, especially at the Gospels, but also through through all of Scripture. It, it, it was fascinating again to see how how much is there and how radical that message would have seemed. It's radical to us. How radical was then when your belonging to a particular family, your blood relations, were absolutely everything, you know, from your identity to your um, equivalent of your pension, you know, your daily living, everything, everything was connected to that. And here comes Jesus and says things like, who are my brothers and my mother, right? (laughs) Whoever does the will of God. Um, some some even more disturbing things, right? For I have come to set a man against his father and a daughter against her mother, etc., etc. So biblical scholars sometimes describe this kind of language as something that would be perceived as anti-family. Mm. So it seems to be very much part of the the teaching of Jesus that some disciples found just too difficult, too tough, right? They said, who can listen to this? We, sorry, bye, we go away. We just can't deal with it. So it's 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 there um, as a sign of a new community. Jesus's words about the faithful eunuchs, yeah, that's huge because eunuch is not a word used positively in, in, in the world of the Bible. It's just it just simply isn't. Yeah. Um. So so that's what's going on there now. Okay. This doesn't mean, of course, that Jesus doesn't care for actual people. You know, we know that from his own relations um to his mother even you know when he's dying on the cross and he's you know saying to john this the the beloved disciple this is your mother this is your son to the way he raises the the the, you know the daughter of jairus to the way and so on and so on um so um it's 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 not about denying loving caring relationships but it's saying look something else is at the center that thing, the, the kingdom of God that's already among you, is to be at the very center. These are your brothers, your sisters, your mother, your father, which means that's your livelihood, that's your that's with whom you spend your time, that's that's where you live and grow and have your being, really, as you as you serve the world. So the challenge is that this is the bit I think we really struggle today as churches when it's much more looking like a sunday club sunday morning club rather so, than something that yeah happens. and i guess that's that that's the next question i wanted to ask which is the bringing yeah. it back forward to, to what you said there which is um you know we have our own cultural context of family and a, a massive rise in singleness you know not just in the church but right across our, our society um we have you know some radically different views on what family is and 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 how families are made up and and the church exists in that water right i mean we 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 might pretend like we've got some other viewpoint on it but the reality is that we exist in that cultural 
um, that cultural space. And so we've got this ancient story of Jesus radically reorienting what the family is, as you've just talked about. And this space that we live in just now, which is complex and messy and, and difficult and um and it's easy at some level for us to say the church has got it wrong. And and I think I think most people listening will go, well, we know that, right? Because we're either single ourselves and have experienced that, or we we've we know single people and we've heard their stories. How do we do differently? How do we do better in this messy space that we live in? wanting to live out the reality of what we know our Lord taught. Yeah, yeah. And of course, as all good questions, there isn't a, a very simple <laughs> answer, right? Oh, really? There's not um, just a one-line answer to that? Uh, sadly, no. That's why That's why there's that's a why you book. write a book. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Because we, in, in seriousness, right, we do need to understand what happened since and how come that we've become... Um, Pretty much. How, how come that we've embraced the, the cultural norm of happiness, human fulfillment, etc.? Basically, what we've done is, because that's quite recent, the, the whole coupledom in, in, in the way it's expressed now. This is quite a recent phenomenon, yep. <laughs> even though people think, you know, uh, this is how things have been from times eternal. We've just kind of baptized them in a way, you know, mm. and, and even unthinkingly, you know, accepted so so in order to understand it, I think it's important to trace some of that story, to be inspired by different um, expressions of both marriage and single living that we have in, in, in the history, in the Christian history as well. There's some really exciting things to understand this, this more recent turning point inwards. Um, and then I think to begin talking more explicitly about this, a lot of, I think a lot of our th- theology of singleness of human flourishing and happiness happens in the on the implicit level you know it's it's the in-between kind of uh the the lines language that really expresses what we think because we all know you know we all know the official (laughs) kind of teaching right paul said you know it is okay to be single but actually (laughs) <laughs> so, so we need, I think, to acknowledge what what we really feel in our guts, because we mm. are often uncomfortable with the idea of single life as really flourishing, yeah. you know. And it doesn't have to be a special life, a very special calling, yeah. you know. Um, otherwise, you know, um, it, it will not change the thing. And then I think we need to talk about how marriage is a very, very good thing, unless it becomes the chief good and the central point of the Christian or church existence, right? Then it becomes a much less good thing. It it becomes what some researchers call a greedy institution, because it becomes Uh self-serving. And unfortunately, it begins to crumble, because that's the mistake we often make. We think, oh, you know, even more attention needs to be put, you know, by by those two people that perhaps are struggling, you know, with their marriage. And actually... Very often, it's impossible to do unless there is this larger community around them. Mm-hmm. So that's on marriage. On the singleness part, again, singleness is a very good thing. So let's think about how we can celebrate it, how we can celebrate various rites of passage mm-hmm. that, you know, single people don't get. <laughs> um Unless, and that's the other um, uh, important lesson from church history, unless it becomes a condition for ministry. Or 
as it has been the case uh, with um, Syriac Christianity, even a condition of being a Christian. No kidding, there was a time in, in early Christian centuries when only single people were allowed to be baptized. Wow. I know, I know. <laughs> Again, there's so much going on there that is so interesting. Uh, singleness was taken very, very, very seriously in those wow. early centuries uh, before before Constantine, before Christianity became the you know the religion of of the empire. So all of these are good things, but there's something bigger, which is the kingdom of God, and therefore the church, which is 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 there to 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 to, to be as as a vehicle of of where God's love, where the foretaste of God's kingdom can be yeah. can be seen, can be experienced. Amazing. Yeah. I, 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 I suspect we all have lots to learn in this area um, and uh, that your book will be of great help uh, to a great many of us. Not not just those who are single. I, I think I'm right in saying that that's not who your book's written for at all. No. That, that actually is for those of us who might lead and those of us who are married and those of us who uh, would encourage others uh, in faith. Um, it, correct. It's for everybody. correct. Correct. The single people know the problem exists yeah. in the church. It's yeah. us who are married and, like you say, those especially in various leadership roles in the church that really, I think, need to yeah. to be serious uh, in addressing this. Yeah. And it's not, there's no, you know, as much as we joked about, there's not one sentence. There's also not a quick fix to, to this, no. that, that, that this is cultural and mm. uh, it's about um, kind of long-term and, and making decisions that, that put, people in a place to genuinely experience the family of God within the kingdom of God in the church of God, you know, like that, that, that actually that you can't just snap your fingers and make that happen. It's going to take See, time. That, that was the most difficult to me whilst writing the book, Len. I so much wanted for there to be another answer because it would be so much easier, but it's striking how much the church as this, you know, family of God, the community of God, the community of friends, whichever language you want to use, is at the center of, of mm. clearly of Jesus's vision of the kingdom. And then I'm painfully aware how how difficult it is for us to find a genuine expression of that in, in our busy, um, geographically um, distanced yeah. culture, you know. Yeah. So it is a huge challenge, I think. But that is the challenge. How do we live as communities of God's people? Yeah. in some way that is appropriate for our time and day. Yeah, absolutely. And that's maybe the next podcast we'll record with you, figuring mm -hmm. that out. Lena, thank you so much for your time. Uh, if people want to get hold of your book, uh, wh where can they do that? Um, well, in any good bookshop, I would say. Excellent. Um, including those that um, sell books online. So the title is Singleness and Marriage After Christendom. Being and doing family, but yes, um, I'll, I'll be delighted if people. I, I wrote this book, as I say, for normal people that yeah. is, people without theological education. <laughs> I work very hard to avoid jargon, but at the same time, not to dumb, dumb it down. Yeah. So, hopefully, it's, it's very readable. Hopefully, it's good for maybe leadership teams to you know, diaconate to, to look at it together and, and then to talk about how we want to live it out in, in, in our own particular community. Fantastic. Lena, thank you. Thank you for writing this book. Thank you for all that you do uh, within our family of churches. And uh, thanks so much for your time today. Uh, bless you. Thank you so much. It's been a pleasure.